He says you're here for two reasons, to be salt and to be light. To be salt and to be light. In other words, he's saying you're here to create thirst in people, like spiritual thirst in people. That's what salt does, right? Jesus understands the significance of salt, and he is, he's, he's telling his church, this is why you exist. This is why you are here, to help produce spiritual thirst in other people. Well, how does that work? Tangibly, how does that work? It works by like how they, how they look at your life, what they see in you and how you're living for Jesus. And, 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 and they, they recognize that there is something different in you than, 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 than what they have themselves. And they are, they're compelled to chase after what it is they see in you. Like we have to be people who recognize that Jesus put us here to be the salt of the earth. To, to, to live for Jesus in such a way that people are gonna want to live for Jesus because we're living for Jesus. We're the salt of the earth. And Jesus says, you're also the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Like there's a light that is in you now and it's meant to shine. It's meant to shine. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be put under a bowl or under a bucket. It's meant to, 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 to shine. It's meant to be seen by people. You know, when you're in a room that is lit, turning on another light doesn't really do a whole lot especially if it's well lit. So just shining your light in here or shining your light when you come to church on Sunday doesn't really make that big of difference. But when you turn your light on in a room that is just completely dark, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. I've kind of used this thought before, but you know, if we shut off all the lights in here and it was pitch black and, and you, you couldn't see anything and all of a sudden I just lit one match or, or, or had, had a small little candle that I lit like, Every single eyeball in this room would immediately be fixated on that light because light, it pushes back darkness and it draws people to it. You gotta shine your light. Good morning, everybody. Great to be together. Great to, to be back with you uh, after a, a week away in Tijuana, Mexico. Really excited to, to give an update and to share all that God did uh, while we were away. We had a team of 11 of us uh, go on this trip uh, from our church, and uh, God did great things. I'm excited to report to you that God is on the move. God is changing lives around the world, right? That, uh, that, that uh, people uh, down there are living proof that the gospel still works, and uh, it's exciting to see that. Uh, builds our faith. Uh, man, uh, a little bit of a fire in our belly that we came back with. Just excited to see God do more. Um, not just uh, in other places uh, around the world. While we want that, we want to see God do that here as well. Amen. And uh, so we had 11 people go. Uh, if you went on the trip, not to just embarrass you, but would you mind just standing for a minute? I just want people to see where you're at if you went on this trip. Yep, yep, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> Great. I'm going to have four, uh, the four of you who were uh, planning to share, if you want to just go ahead and make your way up. Um, I want you to hear from, from some of the people on our team who uh, were with us and uh, saw God do great things. Uh, they're excited to share uh, some things with you. You guys can, uh, if you want to just a few of you sit there, and I'll just bring you up one at a time. Uh, Tony, go ahead. <laughs> Tony's first. first. Yeah, you're first, man. Go ahead. Tony Jones. I told you this could be messy. <laughs> The love of Jesus gets dirty. Mm. The love of Jesus goes deep. And the love of Jesus is for everyone. We got dirty. Um, whether it was paint, whether it was drywall mud, um, we got dirty. <laughs> Sweaty, hot, dirty. Also, hugging. <laughs> Loving on touching people who society wouldn't have anything to do with. The absolute poverty-stricken people who are living in boxes, living off the dump, in the dump, the kids in the same situation. Uh, we got dirty. Uh, it goes deep. Love of Jesus goes deep. For some reason, people are attracted to me just to tell their stories. It wouldn't, almost every day, Pastor Mike would say, hey, Tony, come and talk to this guy. <laughs> so I heard so many stories. Um, they just opened up to me, their life. I mean, the crazy circumstances that got them where they were, uh, the reasons they were running from God or 
afraid they couldn't go back. Um, it was it was crazy, just good crazy. Able being able to hear them and talk to them, um, they were all so thankful. They just like they couldn't believe we wanted to. Yeah. Uh, the the love of Jesus is for everyone. We. Like I said, we talk to people that society casts out um, with labels, drug dealers, users, prostitutes, um, people who'd committed crimes, uh, murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one shocked me. Mm-hmm. Um but we didn't see the labels. We saw people that needed God's love. And the labels were nothing to us. We reached out, we hugged, we loved on, we prayed for. I think we prayed for hundreds, mm-hmm. by each by name, mm-hmm. and found that if you asked just to pray for them, they were like shy, but if you asked their name, then told them your name, and said it was nice to meet you, mucho gusto. They kind of opened up and just wanted that prayer. It was, it was a great trip. The ministers that are doing things with nothing, I mean, they have little themselves, and they're just pouring out everything they can mm-hmm. to serve these people. That was impressive. Mondo, mm-hmm. this guy would go out to the dump, pick four kids, take them in, bathe them, bathe them again, lice medication on them so that they didn't get lice and then take them out to the movies mm. out to eat play with them just love on them and all on his own mm-hmm. out of his own heart it was it was good it was a great trip mm. that's awesome man yeah thank you austin her well, uh, Jordan told me I was going to come up here and share, and uh, so <laughs> since I've been trying to think of what I would want to share with you guys, so sorry if I ramble a little bit, but uh, you know, I really wasn't sure why I was going on this mission trip. I've actually been to Tijuana three other times before this, and loved being there, and actually like, surprised myself when I started figuring out it had been 10 years since I'd been there, because you know, every time I've gone, I've, I've loved being there and felt like I'm called to go back there again and again, so I was actually a little depressed when I found out it had been 10 years since the last time I'd been there, but, um, you know, I did kind of figure out one of the reasons why I went, and typically I've gone before to build houses down there, Well, there's a mission space down there that you spend like 5,500 bucks and it buys the material to buy a house, and you go down there and you, you construct it for, you know, a homeless family down there, and uh, we weren't doing that this trip, but figured out one of my uh, spiritual giftings um, while we were down there, and it is driving, um, and I was sent on the trip. It's basically, deba- to, it's debatable. Uh, well, I mean, I did bring uh, your pastor back in one piece because we did have a near-death experience barely, on the road, barely. And I think it was because I was at the wheel, you know, that we were able to avoid going off. I wouldn't call it a cliff, but it was. I don't even know the Hail Mary, and I tried it. <laughs> we heard Carrie Underwood singing Jesus Take the Wheel, for sure, you know. Uh, but, uh, man, I, the trip was, was amazing. Um, I'd say some of the rock stars on the trip were the kids that went with us, um, Lucy, Jack, and Maya. I mean, I, I had been down there once as a freshman in high school, and I can tell you that I didn't. I didn't give near the effort that they did to serve people down there. And it was awesome watching the kids' hearts. And if you guys don't think that you're called to go on a missions trip, if these kids could go down there and give everything that they have to show the love of Jesus to people, then I know anybody in this room could. And we definitely want to take more trips down to Tijuana in the future as a church. So start praying about it now. Um, But yeah. Like Tony said, the, the people that we came in contact with, uh, yeah, are people that, you know, you'd get nervous about shaking their hand. You know, you just want to put, you want to put some, uh, 
you know, cleaner on your hand as soon as you shake their hand. But you got to the point where you just didn't care anymore because you knew that Jesus loved them and Jesus would be out there hugging them and shaking their hands and talking with them. And so we just knew that that's what we were supposed to do too. And one of the things that God did in my heart when we were there was uh, I actually, I've grown up in church. So, you know, anytime I've been asked to give a testimony or whatever, I'm like, well, I have, I don't have any crazy story. Like I just started going to church when I was four years old and I've just always loved Jesus and, you know, never really felt like I've gone through anything traumatic or anything that Jesus has pulled me out of. But we were at a women's rehab facility and, uh, a woman got up and shared a story about how, because she's on drugs and in this rehab facility, that she can't have her kids with her. They'd been taken away from her, and it reminded me of my mom's story and how God had pulled my mom out of a situation like that, and she gave her life to the Lord when I was four years old, and that that led to me being able to give my life to the Lord. And so God kind of revealed the testimony in me when I was down there, and I don't think I would have got that if I had not gone. So... Um, yeah, God's at work in Tijuana, and it's amazing. It's, it's hard for me to go down there and then, and then leave, and everybody always says that you get touched more when you go on a mission trip than you feel like you actually did down there, and I didn't want that. Like, you, you know, my personality is one that I want to fix things, and there's a big problem down there with poverty and hunger, and you can't just go down there for five days and fix that. Um, but you do get to go down and work alongside the people who God has called to be down there. And we got to work alongside Mondo, like Tony had said. And it just made me, it made me be able to look at how God is at work even when we're not there. But he still needs us to go and partner with the people that are there. And uh, well, that's, why, that's why we went. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Austin, Austin almost preached a couple times, right? I mean, he about threw down a couple times. It was, it was good stuff. Buenos Diaz. It's the only Spanish I know. Tim Homer, here you go, man. <laughs> so um, the story I want to tell about is, um, is at the dump. It happened at the dump. It wasn't about the dump. Um, but on Tuesday this week, um, last, this last week, uh, was kind of a double-serving day because we did the uh, canal, which was this big... Um, flood control where the river runs down, has a little river down through the middle of it, and we served lunch there, and um, and then we went to the dump, which was a long drive. It was 45 minutes, and I think that was the day of the God saved you. <laughs> and uh, I remember it. Yes, I, re- I think you would. Anyway, we were, uh, um, Almondo, uh, Mondo is... Uh, we call him, but Almondo was was our interpreter while we were down there most of the time, and and so as we got to the dump, um, he served there quite a bit over the over the years, and and we set up uh, in a little Quonset hut, um, canvas covered, you know, kind of a D on its side. Um, we set the food up, and then Almondo and Mike, um, pastor's dad, um, we're, we're going to down in and and tell the people that we have food. And we're walking down. It's it's very hot. I'm, I've been hot most of the week, and and we're walking down. It's probably a quarter mile down the bottom of this hill. And there's a little grocery store down there. It's not really like any grocery store. It's just like a little hut with guy has some bread and pop and milk and stuff that he can sell to people. And Armando wanted to make sure he uh, give him some money, so he bought a soda for everybody. And we're walking on down around the corner at the bottom of the hill. There's it's a T intersection, and we're walking in. And there's this, uh, these huts, just to describe it a little bit there, it's at the edge of the dump. Um, They're built out of whatever material they found in the dump um, to build their little huts. But this one was probably, you wouldn't say anything was nice down there, but she had some tires that she had planted, buried in the ground and painted green, and there was a tree, which was really unusual in the dump. There wasn't any trees. And the dump they burned, People burn stuff every day to get the steel, and it's covered, everything is covered in a black soot. And as we walked by, um, this lady cried out, um, agua, agua, and the group they were with, nobody had any agua, but Armando had his soda, and he took his soda to her, and and as he come back, he's like, she's really bad shape, I think she's pregnant. And... uh, we need to go make sure we get water to her as we get back. And 
so I'm walking a little further down, and, and I'm like, I need to go back. I'm really hot. And, and there's a ro side road that goes back up towards the top, so I just followed that up um, back till I got to the, back to the Quonset hut, and I sat down to try to cool off, but my heart would not let me sit there. I had to take this woman um, some water. So as I gathered the water, uh, the ladies say, we have food, and so um, they give me a little plate of food, and we covered it. And as I walked back down to where this lady was, um, I forgot to say, as Armando went to the, the hut, this kind of dog kind of come out and, and acted like he was going to bite him, which I was sure he was. So I'm, as I get down there, I'm like going up, and I'm, of course, I don't speak any, any Spanish, and I'm like, hola, hola, but no response, no response. And, and she doesn't have a door. It's just kind of a little blanket that's covering it. It's not real, cover the whole door. And I'm going up, and there's no response from her, no response from her. And I finally see in the dog, and he's not attacking me, so I kind of slide the uh, blanket a little bit to the so I can see in a little bit, and she is just moaning. She's pretty still, but she's moaning and moaning. She doesn't understand me. I don't understand her. She's not talking to me. I think she's completely out of it. Um, and so I, I, I have this water, and I put the water on her bed, and I put the food on her bed, and I try to communicate, but there's no communication. And in my heart, I think she's dying, and I don't know what to do. And so all I could do was go back up and tried to find, I found a lady that was sitting, waiting for the food, and I'm like, do you know this person? Do you speak English? Which she, she said a little bit. And I'm like, do you know this lady? I think she's pregnant. She's in this house with the green tires, and, and she says, I know her. And I'm like, you've got to go check on her. I think she's in really bad shape. But, of course, she stayed for dinner, and I don't know what happened after that. And, and then I did the same with the pastor. I'm just, it's on my heart. I can't, can't get her off my heart. You know, and I'm like, I think she's dying to the pastor. She's, she, and he said, well, maybe, I think she's maybe in labor. I'm like, can you go check on her? Can you go check on her? But, you know, here we would just send an ambulance or send somebody down, but they don't have that. They have nothing. And she has nobody with her. And uh, so kind of our, one of our themes is God sees you. And, and so we just prayed. We prayed for her. Have no idea the outcome have no idea if she lived or died or if she had a baby or mm -hmm. didn't have a baby. And all I can know is that God has to be with me. And it, I did what I could. Mm -hmm. that's, that's my story. It's hard. Some stuff is hard when you're on mission trips. And, uh, but I was there and I tried to serve her. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. I brought notes. <laughs> um, I thought for sure Tim would share some stories about tacos or something, but we ate a lot of tacos. Um, so that is one warning if you're headed to Tijuana anytime soon. Um, we got haircuts at a Mexican barbershop in a street market. We learned about Mexico Flexico, which is, you know, things aren't always going to go as planned. You're just going to have to figure it out. And that's a great life lesson for us back at home. I actually asked Jordan at one part, Point if you took me on this trip so that I would appreciate what we had here as a staff because it's way different than the things they had there. But yes, um, <laughs> I appreciate this. Um, so one of the best experiences we had was um, with a church that we had partnered with, and they were doing a food program that is very similar to what we do. Um, we went out one morning, shopped for supplies, put together food boxes. Um, and then they invite families in from the community. They go through like a parenting class and then they get the supplies. So I was talking to Pastor Rolando about how he started that. And it was just so amazing how it mirrored so many things that we have been doing here through our New Point Pantry. Um, they, him and his family struggled um, at the beginning of COVID like a lot of families did. And he's like, one day, I needed food for our family. So he, he is an American citizen, um, works in San Diego, and he drove a little further north so that nobody would see him and know that he needed food. But here he is standing in a line um, for food and someone's yelling, pastor, pastor. And he's like, certainly they're not talking to me. <laughs> um, but a guy comes up that he does know and ends up blessing his family with a whole van full of food. He gets it back to his house 
And his wife's like, we can't keep all of this. Let's keep what we need for like a couple weeks and then let's give it out to those around us. And then, what you know, the next week this same guy calls and says, hey, I'm sure you guys are doing great on food because we gave you so much, but just checking in. And the, he was like, well, actually we gave out most of it. He's like, come back up. And he loaded his van up again. And he just continued to do this week after week. And I told him it reminded me of the story um, in the Bible of the woman um, not having anything but a little bit of oil, and God continued to fill up those jars that were brought to her um, until she had what she needed. Um, And his story just touched me because his faithfulness, even though he could have kept everything that they had um, and just kind of like hoarded it away, instead he was like, no, let's be the love of Jesus to people around us. Um, and they are so in line with what we say around here at the food pantry. Like, we want people to have food. We want people to be fed, but we also want them to find spiritual nourishment. We want them to find Jesus and know um, about Jesus, and we went there thinking we were blessing all of these people, and in turn, um, our whole group was touched. On Sunday service last week, we had an opportunity to pray for families. There's a language barrier that we encountered the whole time, so you could either get bits and pieces or sometimes you'd have a translator with you. Um, But a lady came up to me at the end and asked if she could pray with me. At least that's what I think she said, Um, because I didn't speak Spanish. And um, I said, sure, and she gave me this hug, and I immediately was just like overwhelmed with the presence of God. And even though she prayed for maybe 10 minutes for me, and even though I had no idea what she was actually saying, I could pull out a few words and just felt like my spirit really felt that when you're failing, when you feel like you're not good enough, that you are still precious in God's sight. And I took away that and prayed that over so many people over the next couple days because I feel like that's how they feel so often. They feel forgotten. They feel broken. They feel like they've made bad choices and they've ended up here because of those bad choices. But like it says in the book of James that God chose us as his prized possession. He loves each and every one of us. Let us not feel forgotten or broken or abandoned because he knows us by name. Um, And that was just something that I was able to share with the people throughout the rest of the week. So here we are blessed um, in amazing ways as we think that, you know, we're blessing other people. Um, Another opportunity that we had, I'm almost done, um, is to minister to children. And obviously I have a heart for that, but we were able to do kind of like a little children's program. We taught um, the kids, nothing is impossible in Spanish and our team, which is maybe still singing it in their sleep, um, and talked about the um, Bible story about how Jesus calms the storm. When things are going crazy in our life, we can find peace that God can bring us the stillness um, in the storm. And even Pastor Rolando's wife pulled me aside at the end and said, that story was supposed to be for the kids, but I felt that. Like, I felt like here I am discouraged. Here I am. The storm is all around me. Things are, like, you know, falling apart. They're working so hard to try to make, you know, help these people. Um, And she just needed to be reminded that God calms us. God is the one that causes us to be still. So as I walk away from this trip, I'm praying that the things that we experienced um, would be able to be poured out into our community. There is brokenness. There is hurting people right here in the community that we live in. And we have opportunities every week to um, just pray with people and pray that they would have an experience with God um, that would change their life forever. There's this song that I've been singing for the last couple months, um, and I have been praying it over our team. And as we were there all week, you know, I'm in the back of a 15-passenger van, and I can't hear anything going on up front, so I just have an AirPod in, you know, um, singing in the back seat. But it says, Break me for the nations. Let my heart become your heart for all the world. Send me to the harvest as an ambassador to speak your holy name. Send me, use me as a vessel yielded in the master's hand, and please touch me with your anointing for a world that's broken and in need. So my prayer is just for Mm -hmm. our team and all of you that we would see the needs of those around us, that we would be broken for the things that break the heart of God, and that we would just love people to Jesus. Awesome. Thank you.
Man, we had an awesome time uh, being in Tijuana, and, and uh, it's humbling to be there. It's humbling to be uh, home uh, with uh, all that we have. And, uh, you know, there is something um, very profound about coming face-to-face with what the reality is for so many people around the world and how so much of the conveniences that we love every day is just not common for the majority of the world. And uh, there's something very humbling about that. And, um, you know, we were spending time with with, uh, some different people, some pastors who are just laying it on the line every day. I mean, they they are um, serving their community in, in incredible ways, you know, like Emily said, and, and, and yet they have so much poverty themselves and have need that you wouldn't even know about because they just don't talk about it. And my dad and I got a chance to sit down with uh, Pastor Rolando. I want to just show you this picture of him and his family, um, if, we, if we have it. To, yeah, and, and this is Pastor Rolando and Sister Ruby and their two daughters, and uh, just incredibly humble people. They pastor a, a humble church that's doing great things. Um, I mean, they have activity out of their church every day of the week. I mean, they, it's not just like a Sunday, Wednesday night thing. They've got every day they're feeding food to pe- or, or, or uh, they're serving food to people. They're providing classes for parents, uh, for parenting classes. They even have like a boxing class they offer. I mean, it's just they have all kinds of, of things going on uh, to really help in their community. And uh, one of the things I noticed about being with, with uh, my friend and his wife that I got to meet last year, and got to see him again this time around was just how discouraged they seemed this time around and seemed like uh, they'd been going through a lot. And I got to talk to Sister Ruby and it just, the church and the ministry and, uh, you know, working with people, this is a little insight into pastoring, working with people um, is, is incredible, but it's taxing. And uh, these guys were burned out, they were tired, and, and uh, our team came at the right time, they said, to really be a shot in the arm, a place, place of encouragement for them. And, um, found that the church has all kinds of needs, but then in, in talking with him, uh, with him with my dad, found out that their family has all kinds of needs too, and you just wouldn't know it. Uh, you'd never know it. They don't talk about it, and uh, one, of the, one of the things they've, they've really had on their heart for the, is for their 13-year-old daughter. She's turning 13 here soon and uh, doesn't have her own bedroom, and uh, they're all kind of living in the same area, and uh, he'd been uh, squirreling away money to try to build this bedroom for his daughter, and uh, they've had some some things come up and haven't been able to do that. And uh, it's like two thousand bucks, and I just I left with it on my heart for our church to handle this for them. And so um, we left the mission fund open on PushPay uh, Mexico 2022. Um, I just want to ask you to to help today raise the money so we can send it down to these guys and be an encouragement to them. Uh, I mean, these guys need it. It would bless them. It would, it would give them the encouragement they need. And this, uh, this is a great family and a great cause. And, uh, and so I want to just let you know there's that opportunity right there uh, today uh, to make a difference in somebody's life. Um, and uh, excited to, to continue to maintain this relationship with this beautiful family and uh, their church. Uh, there's a, a feeding kitchen also that we helped with uh, and we have an opportunity for ongoing relationship with them. They have 100 kids with pictures, names, ages. And um, so this year, we're, we're planning on shifting our Give Christmas focus to help buy presents for kids specifically at this feeding kitchen and continue the work that God did uh, this week. Uh, we want to see it not end just because we came back home. We want to see it uh, continue. And, um, and so I'm excited for that uh, to happen. And um, look... There's probably nothing that I would want more for you than to experience cross-cultural missions trips. Like, in terms of your discipleship and following Jesus, you know, like, like the Bible, you know, uh, lays it out for us, there's probably nothing that I think could be more effective and more powerful for you. Like, if I could just write your discipleship journey, it would have a mission trip in there. Honestly, that's just me being honest with you as your pastor. If I could just write it out and say, like, okay, from you getting saved to, like, to heaven someday, if I could write out your journey, it would have, it would have this in there because I, I, think, we, I think we need this. I, I mean, there is, a, there is mission that we are called to, and we know this. We read about this in Scripture in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Uh, and, and we can think of the mission as like out there somewhere and that other people are taking care of it. And we find that when we go to Tijuana, we find that there's all these other ministries and pastors and things. I mean, these people are in it every day in like unthinkable conditions. And, and uh, I, I just think there is something very profound that takes place in us 
when we, when we leave the comfort of where we, we are, especially living in the West, and we go to a place that is just, you know, has all kinds of needs, and God breaks our heart for the thing that his heart breaks for, and his people. It's people in all, of, all around the world. It's people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And, uh, man, we saw God do uh, great things. And so if I could have anything for you, it would be, it would be that. I, I remember last Monday we were um, working specifically with homeless people, and uh, we, we went out uh, that morning, and we, we uh, went to this, like, outdoor kind of Costco market thing and, and bought a bunch of food, and, and we went down to the canal first, uh, which is where a lot of the homeless people live, uh, and, and we just, we brought food, and uh, a number of us went out to try to recruit these people to come uh, to, to get food, and uh, as they gathered, we had some members of our team just share their testimony, and one of the coolest things about, about the people on our team, there was no bad attitudes. I mean, sometimes they had, they had very short notice to like, hey, you're going to have a mic in your hand in like literally 30 seconds, like better bring it, you know, and, and they did, and, they, and God showed up, and God used them in great ways, and, um, and so we were able to share testimonies with these people, like share the good news of Jesus with these people, and, and then our team went out, we, we laid hands on them, we prayed for them, fed them, but once we were done, we took our van and we drove down into the canal um, and, and found a whole lot more, more people who, who just... Um, uh, for whatever reason, had chosen not to come up to get food from us. And we, we had water and bread and oranges, and we're handing them out. There were people on the other side of the canal that were throwing food to them. Uh, it felt like, like uh, Mission Olympics or something. Like, you know, we're, we're throwing oranges across, across the canal. I don't know if it was more fun to give them an orange or to throw the orange, but it was pretty awesome. Like, you know, we, um, we got to do that, and, and uh, we're seeing these conditions people are living in. And I remember sitting in the van, and looking over to my right, and I see on the side of this canal the, the, these letters painted onto the side of the canal. And here's a picture of it right here. And it just says this. It says, how far is heaven? How far is heaven? This is like from my vantage point. The doors to the, to the van is open, uh, and we're just handing out food as people are walking by. And I see this, and I stop and just take this picture, and it's this question, how far, how far is heaven? Here we are that day, it just hit me, because we're, we're in this place that is filled with people who are in unbelievable poverty, people who, who are dealing with all kinds of, of addictions, and I'm sure that majority of them probably felt and feel that heaven is pretty far away. That, like, that God is far, that God is distant, that, that like, any thought of, of the hope of heaven is, is out there somewhere, maybe for other people, but, but not for them. And what encouraged my spirit that day is, is you know, we showed up and we brought some food and we shared the love of Jesus and we prayed for people and, 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 and I just felt those God moments where I just knew that, that that day heaven wasn't far, heaven was close. Heaven wasn't out there somewhere. Heaven had come and it was tangible. Like we went on this mission trip to Tijuana for, for a week really for, for, for no other purpose than to uh, bring the hope of the kingdom of God. We went, we went for really no other purpose than to bring heaven to people. That's, that's what it's all about as, as followers of Jesus. And, and we saw people just encouraged in the Lord. I love the quote by, by uh, I, think, I think it's Todd White. He says that Jesus didn't just die to get you into heaven. Jesus died to get heaven into you. And so we carry this. Like it's in us. Like we are the carriers of the kingdom. The Bible teaches this. We're carriers of the kingdom of God and we carry it with us everywhere we go. We shine the light of the kingdom to people. And, 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 uh, and, and it invades like the kingdom of darkness, it pushes back the kingdom of darkness, and those who are in addiction, and those who are in poverty, and those who are in hunger, they, they find hope in Christ, and this is why we did this, this is why we went and did this, I had people, you know, uh, this year asking me, you know, why we were offering this trip, I mean, as a pastor, don't I care about, like, safety, and all these things, like, why am I offering this, especially to Tijuana, and we had people on our team who, who had family members and friends ask them, why, like, don't you know, like, anything about Tijuana, like, why are you, going down there. The, the reason why we went on this mission trip is, is, is simple. It's like people need Jesus, everybody. Like they need Jesus. Like, like people are hurting. Like people are in pain. Like uh, they, they need Jesus. And my personal safety and my personal comfort doesn't come as a priority over lost people who need hope in Christ. And so I, I, I uh, throw this out to you. You know, if I could write your journey, your discipleship journey, it would have a mission strip experience in there, and I, I want you to pray about that into your future. Here's another reason why we went, if you're taking notes. Uh, it's this, because one of the most important yet often avoided aspects of Christianity is the sharing of our faith. 
It's one of the most important yet, yet often avoided aspects of Christianity, the sharing of our faith. Like, like most people that, that call themselves followers of Jesus, most of them have, have never shared their faith with one other person. Most people in the West, in, in, in you, know, uh, you know, Christianity here in America, sitting in, in churches like this all across our country today, have never shared their faith or ever led somebody to Christ. And so, and so we, we do things like this. We, we send us, you know, our team on mission trips like this to, to really spark a fire in us because there is a message that we carry that is greater than any message you know, in the history of humanity. And we have to have a burden to let this hope that we carry out of us to affect other people. And uh, we live at a time where, where, where people you know, are, are, are okay with God and faith and religion as long as it's personal and it's private. As long as you keep it to yourself, as long as you kind of like, like, like keep, it, keep it personal, then that, that's okay. I'll respect that. But listen, I read the Bible and I read the Gospels. I read all about, you know, the early church and Jesus and, and, and the things he taught. And I don't see any example of faith in Jesus being personal and private. It's shared and it's public. It, it's, 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 it's meant to be given away to people. I, I think that we are meant to be people who are actively and intentionally reaching people who are far from God. And that's, that's why we do this. That's why, that's why our church is built kind of the way it is. That's why we've tried to evolve into the kind of church that is reaching into our community and loving people no matter what they're going through, no matter what their story is. Listen, we have people every week who come for food here, and I do not care, uh, you know, if, if they're a Christian or not. If they're hungry, they get food. I don't care if they went to another food distribution place earlier that day. I do not care. I just, if they need food, they need food. We want to be a church that's actively reaching people who are far from God, and we do that by letting our light shine. We do that by having a heart that is just broken for people who are far from God, broken for people who are in, like, cycles of, uh, of dysfunction and, and things that they're struggling to get out of. And we, we let God use us because his heart beats for them, his heart breaks for them. Listen, like we've never wanted to be a church here that's just filled with church people. Like that's never been the heart. That's never been the passion. That's never been the dream or the vision to just build a church filled with church people. Like we want to be a church that's filled with people who love God for sure, but we also want to be a church that's filled with people who, who are curious about God. We want to be a church that's filled with people who are searching for God. We want to be a church that's filled with people who are close to God and some who are far from God. I want people to know that you can, you can belong here at this church and still be figuring out your faith. Like, that's okay. Like, we, we want to be a church that's open to people who are searching out the answer of life. We want to be this kind of church because this is who Jesus is. Luke chapter 19, Jesus famously says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you believe that? Do you, you believe that to be true? Do you believe that to be true about you, that Jesus came to seek and to save you because you were lost? Listen, this mission, it's not 2,000 years old. This mission that Jesus came on, it's still active and it's alive right now. This is why in Matthew 28, he transfers the responsibility of this mission onto his church, right? He says, now go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing those in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so we share our faith. We want to be a church that's not just like filled with people who, who want this personal and private faith. Like I get, I get the pressure for that. I understand the realities of that. And, and I understand, you know, even, even some of the, the dynamics related to like work and HR violations. And we just certainly don't want you losing your job. But like we want, we want to be people who aren't just like afraid of, of, of what we carry, that we just like keep it internal and we don't let it out. Man, we want, we want to like look for opportunities. We want to understand that God is opening up doors every single day for us to shine our light and to make a difference. Here's why we share our faith. Let me give you just a handful of things and I'll be out, okay? This is our calling in life. This is our calling in life, if you're taking notes. How many of you... Um, how many of you have ever, could have ever been described as like a, a, a sneaky person? How many of you have a kid who likes to like sneak things? How many of you, like when you were a kid, you like to sneak things out of the pantry or the cookie jar? Or you have a child like that? Like, like I feel like we have, like all of our kids are, are like this. Probably because I was like that. But we for sure have 
have one who, like, I, we can hear the pantry door open, and we'll just yell from across the house, you know, like, shut the pantry, and you hear it just shut real fast, you know? Man, being sneaky, being sneaky is cool, I guess, if you're playing, like, hide-and-go-seek, or if you're training to be a ninja, right? Like, it's, it, sneaky is cool, like, for, like, a few things, but it's not really something that's very useful in living out the Christian life. So many people today have approached their relationship with God in sort of a covert way that is like hidden and unseen. But being committed to Jesus isn't something that you can just do in secret and in private. It's something that's meant to be shared with the world. Man, this is why, this is why we have our baptism service next week, by the way. And this is why, why we're inviting people to come ba- get baptized next Sunday and we're doing this outside and we're doing it in front of witnesses because, because being baptized is an opportunity of going public with your faith. You're saying, look, I don't want this to just be hidden inside of me. I want everybody to know. I want my friends and my family to know. I want my church family to know. And I want my church family to hold me accountable to this decision to follow Jesus. And so, and so we're going public with our faith. You, th- these are people next week saying, I don't want to be hidden and unseen when it comes to the things of God in my life. I want everyone to know, and I'm not ashamed to let it out. I mean, could you imagine someone coming up to you and telling you that they're a Christian, but hey, like, keep that to yourself. Don't tell anybody. It's not something you can keep a secret. Romans chapter 1, Paul writes this, and he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation or the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of this, right? Like, and if this has really changed my life, if it's really brought deep, like, soul-level transformation to my life, I can't help but share it with other people. I've got to let this thing out. I've got to let other people know the hope that is only found in Jesus. Let me give you this thought if you're taking notes. Before you have found Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. But after you have found Jesus, your whole life is about sharing Jesus. Every single one of us and every person that you meet is on a spiritual journey. Every single person is on a spiritual journey. And those who don't know Jesus yet, the whole point of their life is finding Jesus, okay? But after that, the whole point of, once you have found Jesus, the whole point of your life is then sharing Jesus with other people. Uh, you know, a lot of times we wonder, like, man, what's the whole point of life? Like, why are we here? You know, what, what are we supposed to do with the time that we have? And we, we fill our lives with all kinds of things and all kinds of things that really don't matter, you know, at the end of the day. We pursue all kinds of things. I want to just distill it or boil it down to this reality that once you have found Jesus, your life should be about sharing Jesus. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. Verses 13 through 16, it's in the message. I love, uh, love the language here. Jesus says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you out there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Now I love the language here in the message translation, I love that Jesus opens up by saying, let me just tell you why you're here if you're curious to know. He says you're here for two reasons, to be salt and to be light. To be salt and to be light. In other words, he's saying you're here to create thirst in people, like spiritual thirst in people. That's what salt does, right? I mean, you all have ever just opened up a bag of Lay's potato chips and been able to just have one, right? You can't, right? You sat down and have some, like, some, some peanuts, you know? Like, you can't just, you know, have a couple. Like, you just keep going. Like, it's... There's something that draws you back, like the salt creates thirst and creates its flavor, and you just want more of it. And, and, and so Jesus understands the significance of salt, and he is, he's, he's telling his church, this is why you exist. This is why you are here, to help produce spiritual thirst in other people. Well, how does that work? Tangibly, how does that work? It works by like how they, how they look at your life, what they see in you, and how you're living for Jesus, and, 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 and they, they recognize that there is something different in you than, 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 than what they have themselves, and they are, they're compelled to chase after what it is they see in you. 
Like we have to be people who recognize that Jesus put us here to be the salt of the earth. To, to, to live for Jesus in such a way that people are going to want to live for Jesus because we're living for Jesus. We're the salt of the earth. And Jesus says, you're also the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Like there's a light that is in you now and it's meant to shine. It's meant to shine. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be put under a bowl or under a bucket. It's meant to, 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 to shine. It's meant to be seen by people. You know, when you're in a room that is lit, turning on another light doesn't really do a whole lot, especially if it's well lit. So just shining your light in here or shining your light when you come to church on Sunday doesn't really make that big of difference. But when you turn your light on in a room that is just completely dark, it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. I've kind of used this thought before, but, you know, if we shut off all the lights in here and it was pitch black and, and you, know, you couldn't see anything and all of a sudden I just lit one match or, or, or had, had a small little candle that I lit, like every single eyeball in this room would immediately be fixated on that light because light, it pushes back darkness and it draws people to it. You got to shine your light. You got to shine your light. There's really two, you know, there's really two ways to grow the kingdom, right? You either, either shine your light or have more kids. It's really, it's really like, like two ways to do it, right? I mean, you either, either, either just continue to populate earth with having more children or let your light shine. Uh, one is a lot easier, <laughs> right? I mean, it is. And, and you, see, you, see, you see the difference here. One is exponential. Like, you let, we all let our light shine and... Man, lives get changed exponentially. One is incremental. Like, you only have so many kids, right? Um, it just doesn't work like that. So mission strips are times where we intentionally let our light shine for Jesus. And so this is our calling in life, everybody. It's our calling in life. Like, I don't know exactly what you do right now to make money. And I don't know, like, maybe, maybe you're, you're trying to figure out your purpose and all that and, 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 like, squeeze it into, like, the practical, you know, like, like, like how do I fill my days? Let me, just, let me just settle you down for a minute. Like, the purpose of life is to let people know about Jesus, okay? It's the purpose of your life. It's why we are here, to make a difference for eternity. And so you can do anything. You can do any job. You can serve anywhere. You can be anywhere. You can make money anywhere. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't change your purpose. It doesn't change, it doesn't change why, we, why we are here on this planet. So why do we share? Because it's our calling in life. Number two, we share because people need Jesus, right? We share because people need Jesus. Like, like we live with this great belief that heaven and hell are real places. They're like, like pain and suffering is a big deal that people are going through all kinds of things. I mean, you don't have to look very far, right? All you got to do is just turn on the news or get on social media for a minute or look at Twitter and, and, and you find that, man, there is pain everywhere, all around us. So we let our light shine and we share our faith because people desperately need Jesus. They need Jesus. John 3 17 through 18 says, God did not go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind son of God when introduced to him. People need Jesus, everybody. There is a, there's a big, big, big need all around us, and the answer is only found in Jesus. So we share because this is our calling in life. We share because people need Jesus. I think we also share our, our faith with people because, because people want Jesus. And that, that, might, that might surprise you. You might push back on me a little bit. You might be like, no, like, like I'm talking to people all the time, and like, it's clear they don't want Jesus, right? People who seem to want nothing to do with God. And, but listen, like, even people who want nothing to do with God, they can't do anything about the fact that there is a peace of God inside of them. Like, they can't, they can't do anything about that. That they were created in the image of God. He, they're image bearers of Almighty God. They can't, they can't avoid the fact that in Ecclesiastes 3, it says that he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time, and he also set eternity in the hearts of men. They can't, can't avoid that God has hardwired into the, the core fabric of humanity the, this longing for eternity, this longing to spend eternity with their maker. 
People want Jesus, whether, whether they realize it or not, and whether it looks obvious to you or not. There are a lot of people who seem like they want nothing to do with God, and it's just not true. It's just not true. You know what, you know what most people find out? They find out what the prodigal son found out in Luke, Luke 15, that following your own way or your own path and pursuing everything the devil has for you will leave you miserable. And there's many of you in here who are like a living proof or living testimony of that reality. Chasing this and chasing that and realizing, man, you still are left wanting. There's still like, like, like a big hole in your life. And what happened to the prodigal son in Luke 15 is how the story is written. It says is that eventually after all, after living, living like just for himself and pursuing everything he wanted, eventually he came to his senses. Like eventually he woke up. Eventually he, 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 was, he was in this, this pigsty and, you know, at, at complete rock bottom. And the Bible says he came to his senses. And what I think is interesting about the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is that when he, when he was at his worst, what did he want? When he was at his worst, what did he want? He wanted his dad. When he was at his worst moment in, that he had ever been in in life, he wanted his dad. And he came to his senses and he, and he just, he, he thought to himself, man, if I, if I could just get back home, if I could just get, get back home, if I could just get back home, like my, in, my, in my father's house, his servants are better off than me. At least they have meal, meals every day. And maybe my dad will at least take me back as a servant. There are a lot of people who, who just, man, they, 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 are, they have chased all kinds of things. They have, they have made whatever decisions they have made and it has left them at a place of, of just being empty and miserable. And they just want their dad. They just want their dad. People want Jesus. People want Jesus. And that's why we share him with them. Listen, we're not just trying to build a church here, okay? We're trying to help people know God. Like, we're not just trying to build a church. Like, like you know, there's, I guess there's strategies to do that, and we're not really good at those strategies. We're just, we just want to be a church that helps people know God. But, I, like, I can't just do that. That's not, that's not just something, I mean, think about that. Like, week after week, if I just do this, like, like what, are we, what, are we, what are we doing? Like, it, this is a corporate effort. This has to be a collective effort where we are burdened for other people to experience the hope that we have experienced. And so we let this thing out. We, we let the world know. We, 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 turn up, we turn up the music, right? We, we make it loud. We let people know. We live our lives in a way that is attractive because people want Jesus. And we just want to help people know God here. And then finally, like, and Tim, you can make your way up if you want. The reason why we share our faith is because every single one of us was lost at one point. We were all lost at one point. The longer you serve Jesus, the further away you get from, 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 from the reality of that time in your life. The longer you go to church and the longer you do this, like, and hang around church people, the, the, the further you get removed from when God first touched your life and changed everything. We share our faith like, as a reminder like, to us of what God has done in us. We, we, we share our faith because, man, we all were once lost, and we don't want to lose the significance of that. When we refuse to forget that we were once lost, it will motivate us to make a difference in other people's lives. It's going to motivate us to make a difference for eternity. We want to crowd heaven, everybody. We want to overpopulate heaven, right? If it's possible, we want to do that. We want it to be like elbow room only in heaven, right? Like, I, I don't care about your big old mansion. Like, I want your mansion crowded with people, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever you think you have in heaven. Like, I don't know. Um, man, that, you understand the heart? You understand what I'm saying? We want people there. We want people there. You know, there are these research groups that, that study the church, different church trends and what they are, have found is that people are less interested in Christians, the church, and God than ever before right now. At this moment in history, people are less interested in Christians, the church, and God than ever before. And what they found in their research is that the greatest determining factor in people finding God or not finding God is us. It's Christians. It's the greatest determining factor. It's not like some a big epiphany. It's not like some, you know, saw a cloud in the sky and knew it was God. I mean, whatever. 88% of people who come to God 
do so when they meet a Christian who has some of the qualities found in Jesus in their life. So they, they, they hear about Jesus, they hear about the story of Jesus, and then they meet some Christians who actually look like Jesus. 88% of people come to know Jesus do so because they've met somebody who looks like Jesus. 88% of those who never come to God don't come to know God because the Christian they, because of the Christian they met who was nothing like Jesus. And so it goes, it goes both, both ways. Everyone who's saying, man, I found God, almost 100%, 88%, like, I found God because I met somebody one time who was actually serious about Jesus and serious about their faith, that they lived it out. They lived it out in a way that was compelling. It was, man, it was salt and it was light to me. It pointed me to the way. And, and then there are all these people over here, a bunch of people who have choos- chosen to reject Jesus altogether. I mean, like, I want nothing to do with the church. I want nothing to do with God. And 88% of those people are saying it's because I met somebody who said they were a Jesus person who looked nothing like Jesus. Looked nothing like Jesus. Man, we need more than just Christians in this church, in the church. We need transformed people. We need transformed people. Jesus, come and change my life. Come and transform my life. Do whatever it takes. Make me your salt. Make me your light. May my light just... Just, just broadcast this light. May, may I just be a, a beacon of hope to people. May they, may, they, may they see the hope of Jesus just radiating out of my life and may it compel them to want you. Man, we need transformed people. Not just people who say they're a Christian. There's a lot of people who go to church in the West, call themselves Christians. There's far less people whose lives have been radically trans, transformed by him. Craig Groeschel says this, if you're taking notes, most Christians want the benefits of what Christ did without having to conform to who he is. You can think upon that all day long if you'd like. Hmm. Let me show you this thought from Chris Hodges. He says this, he says, I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. I want to live my life. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. This is God's plan right here. This is the plan right here. When he sends out his church, when he sends them out to go evangelize the world, this is his plan right here. This is his plan A. There is no plan B. There's no backup plan to this. This is what, it, what the plan has been all along, to be Christ's ambassadors. The Bible tells us that Christ's love that we've experienced, that it compels us to then take this very, this very same love that we've experienced and to then give it away and to share it with other people. Christ's love compels us. Compels us. So how do we, how do, we do this, right? How do we, how do we actually walk out of here and be salt and light? How do we walk out of here and be salt and light? Be practical things. You realize first, you realize that God is creating moments all around you. Every day. Every day. That these moments don't just exist 1,500 miles away in Tijuana, Mexico, even though they do. But these, these, these moments exist every day of your life. They're around you everywhere you go. You have to actually subscribe to this belief that God is creating moments every day all around you. And if we're going to be kingdom people, if we're going to be people who have hearts to really let our, our light shine and to be, to be the salt of the earth, then we got to be people who are asking the Holy Spirit to show us the moments that God is creating all around us. Secondly, you got to let yourself be stretched. I mean, you got to let yourself actually be uncomfortable. Man, there's a number of people I talked to this past week from our team in Mexico who, man, they were stretched. Any of you went to Mexico, felt stretched this last week? Felt stretched. Like, oh my gosh, like, like Austin was, I mean, was, it was, wasn't kidding. I mean, like going to shake someone's hand and you're instantly thinking about hand sanitizer. Like how, I mean, how convicting is that? Or you're like going to give someone a hug and you're just thinking, oh yeah, okay, all right, I guess I'm doing this. And Man, like, that's not, man, that's not what we want. 
We want to be stretched. We want to just love people no matter what they look like. So you realize that God is creating moments. You let yourself be stretched. You focus on your, your behavior. You focus on your manners, I guess. Like how you are, like how you interact with people. Like the honor that you give people. Like you focus on your manners, like the, the, the debates you refuse to get into, the arguments you refuse to have. Like you focus on your manners, like your attitude. Fourth, you show unconditional love. Unconditional love. You don't have to agree with somebody to love them. You don't have, let me just say that again, you don't, have to, you don't have to agree with someone's perspective in order to love them, okay? And then five, you just relay the hope that you have to the broken world. And we start to see lives really change. I mean, there's, there's, if there's anything I came back with, it was just great belief that the gospel still works. That the gospel still works. And let me tell you, like, pastoring in the West, pastoring, you know, people dealing with all kinds of different stuff and pursuits and life's chase, you know, you know, life's like taking them here and there and they're, they're here sometimes and not. And I'm just, I want to see people like burning hot for Jesus. I want to see people in this church like burning hot, red hot for God. Like it doesn't matter the sacrifice. It doesn't matter the cost. Like we want to burn hot for him. Hmm. I want my life to make a difference, and I think that's what you want as well. A lot of Christians go their whole entire life without ever sharing their faith or without ever leading someone to Christ. And I sometimes wonder, you know, how many people will be in heaven someday because of me? It's an interesting thought to have. How many people will be in heaven someday because of me? Like, I get to heaven someday, like who could say, man, I'm here because, because of, of, of Jordan. I'm here because of filling your name. And we want to live our lives in a way that is just making an impact for eternity, everybody. Amen? Would you just stand with me? Look at this poem on the screen. It says, when you enter the beautiful city, Talking about heaven. When you enter the beautiful city and the saved all around you appear, what joy when someone will tell you it was you who invited me here. Would you bow your heads for a moment with me? Like we ran a little long. I appreciate your grace for that today. But if you're here today and, and, man, God's stirring you up and it's just time, time to make a difference with your life, time to let God use your life to make a difference for eternity and you just want to see that happen. You want to see God just, just continue to, to break your heart and move your heart. I want us to just invite some of the, the team that went to Mexico uh, to just make themselves available up here. It doesn't have to be everybody, but a few of you, if you want to make your way, just, just be available to pray. If you just want to, you know, you know, sometimes what happens with, with these types of experiences is, is I really do believe in like a transference of anointing or a transference of passion. And you just, you just want to come up and you want to say, man, I want God to break my heart for the world. I want God to break my heart for the lost. I want God to use my life to make a difference in other people's lives. And, and you just can come up to some of these people and just say, could you just, whatever you caught in Mexico, could you just pray that I would catch that too? Would you just ask God to do what, what he did in you to do that in me? And, and uh, I just want to open this up as an opportunity for us to receive some prayer today. So every head bowed. If you, if you need, need prayer, if you need God to just, just sort of wake up your soul for the people around you, you need God to sort of wake you up for the lost and broken world around us. Could I, just, could I just see every head bowed? Could I just see just as your pastor? Is that you? Are you in here today? Raise your hand. So you need God to do something in you? Yeah? No, like seriously. Like seriously. Jesus, Jesus, come. Move in power. Move in power in this place. If you'd like some prayer um, from these people who went to Mexico and want them to just pray that passion all over you. If you need something else, if you need just a touch in your body, if you're dealing with something you just need healing in your body, we believe in miracles. We believe that, that God still, still changes and transforms lives. If you need some encouragement for your soul, 
I just want to invite you to come up and get some prayer. You can start making your way forward right now. I want to just, uh, just, just pray for the rest of us as we're here. Go ahead and come on up if you need some prayer. And let me just go ahead and, uh, and pray for the rest of us as we, as we move on out uh, with, with our day. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you that the heart of the Father is big, it's wide, it's vast, that your heart beats uh, for people, that there is not one person that you have not loved, that there is not one person that your love couldn't go far enough to reach. And I thank you that, that you are uh, full of, of just great passion and love for people who are lost. And Lord, break our heart for that. God, move us in that direction. Show us why maybe our faith has been, has been held uh, private and personal. And God, would you just help us uh, to let this out, to let this spill out of us, to impact people for eternity. Lord, I pray for a, a movement. I pray for something to shift in the culture of this church. And God, where we would start to see people who are far from you find hope through uh, those in this church who have just said, hey, God, stretch me, use me however you want. Take my life. And, and, just, and just use it however you want, oh God. I pray that the mission of God would be the mission of every single person under the sound of my voice right now. I pray the purpose of God, I pray the heartbeat of God, man, would be the heartbeat of every single one of us, would be the purpose of every single one of us. Use us to make a difference for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And amen. Amen.